2: Bible actually teaches that the world is becoming increasingly covered with the knowledge of the glory of God. That should change everything in the mind of a Christian. Instead of thinking about all the ways society is failing, we should think about all the ways society must be, as Psalm one ten one tells us, put underneath the feet of Jesus in victory.
0: The Rebel Alliance podcast. We would be
3: honored.
1: Welcome back to another Rebel Alliance Media podcast. As always, we got P Nate and Vanilla Poot, Vanilla that's, Nox, whatever we you, want to call it. You're Va-
2: still, you, the Vanilla Poot, <laughs> Vanilla Poot. That's not even good. Tired. But Vanilla Nox, if you're gonna, you're you're still pushing that. I feel like, and I'm just saying, I feel like somebody in the sensitive culture that we live in is going to call that racist.
1: Ra- racist for real.
2: I I just... I feel like somebody will.
1: I'm as white... Like, literally, I'm as clear as you can be. Like, I'm the whitest guy... (laughs) The vanilla Knox.
2: I don't know. I feel like they're going to call you it.
1: I don't know. Our new friend, Chocolate Knox... Yeah. Give us your idea. Like... Let me know if I can use the name, if I can be vanilla, you can what, be chocolate, what we'll find a really strawberry, asking, goes, and we we'll Is be it racist
2: for me to call myself the Vanilla knock?
1: Yeah, because like, I, I, I don't know what's racist, apparently. <laughs> yeah. so.
2: Well, wow, you have so much privilege. What You're privilege? Just I'm not it. allowed to ask, as I learned. Oh, man. Okay, <laughs> so we are we are in that whole thing we are the rebel alliance um and if you are just joining us or just getting to know us um you can find us at uh, rebel you can find us at fate on facebook rebel alliance podcast and uh you can interact with us there you can get all our past shows the videos that we release on facebook every friday ish every weekend at least <laughs> and um yeah so that's uh, that's us and we are proud members of the berean media network Um, And uh, the Berean Media Network, again, you can find on Facebook, facebook facebook.com backslash Berean Media Network. And it's a it's a group of four podcasts who just committed to pushing each other's content, encouraging one another um, and uh, and helping one another grow. Uh, And that's the Front Pew podcast comes out on Mondays, and they've been doing this awesome series, the Bad Theology series. We were just talking about how good this has been, eh? Yeah, I moved them up in my
1: secret Bria Media Network rankings. Are are they
2: higher than us? No,
1: we're, we're, we're still ranked number one. We're the Alabama they the our U S listeners will get this. Oh, okay. We're the Alabama of the podcasts, but they moved up. They're you know they're they're in a different spot than they were.
2: <laughs> That's all you're saying. You're playing this one close to your chest. But the yeah. Bad Theology series has been really really good. Um, the one this week, uh, let go and let God, uh, was hilarious. And awesome. So yeah, those are our friends, uh, the Front Pew podcast. There's also the Layman's Cup podcast. Uh, there are our great friends from uh, North Carolina, and they've been doing a whole series on uh, missions. And they actually had a friend of the show on this past week, as we did last week. Um, and uh, his name was Ben, and he did a great job on there as well. And then there is the Two Thieves podcast, comes out near the end of the week. And their last one on the immutability of God was also very, very good. So, um, yeah, it's a great network and I would encourage you if you are listening, uh, and you haven't checked out any of those podcasts to go and do that. We actually have uh, a guest who's coming on a little bit later from another podcast that we would push. Apparently we just want you to just spend all your free time listening to podcasts.
1: Well, we figure you have a commute every day, right? Probably two ways. Yep. So that's a podcast today. A that's at least a podcast a day. And Saturdays, you got to cut the grass. There's a podcast. Got to do the dishes. That's a podcast. So we really need to get to get you listen to about six or seven. All right. So that's what we're sure
2: we're here for. Well, we just got you going, and uh, as we jump into Rebel News, I have I have a whopper for you.
1: Okay, I'm ready.
2: Like it. Like. So this was out on Twitter uh, a few days ago, and this was um, Planned Parenthood. Twitter account tweeted this out. We need a Disney princess who's had an abortion. We need a Disney princess who's pro-choice. We need a Disney princess who is an undocumented immigrant. We need a Disney princess who's actually a union worker. We need a Disney princess who's a trans. That's well, that's an actual Planned Parenthood Twitter account tweet came out on March 27th.
1: I'm confused <laughs> so <laughs> as you should be so they're they're campaigning to have all like a a movie made with somebody who's all of these things or like character of each of these things like the main here like Princess Jasmine's had an abortion is that what they're trying to get at
2: no I think what they're saying is as the as the Disney shows continue to um, feminize, which which they have, like I mean, there's there's a lot more feminism in Disney now than there has been. I think what they're saying is it hasn't gone far enough. We need we need the um, Disney princesses who have had abortions, you know, who are trans, who are gay, who are that's what they're saying. So they're trying to push their their leftist agenda into disney because that's what's educating our children don't you know
1: that's it's it's frustrating like it makes me like i don't want to be super angry all the time at everything <laughs> but i am um it makes it makes me angry because one look, we're they're they're basically one they're putting forth basically something let's celebrate some sins in that area yep not that it's a sin to be a union worker. That's not what I'm saying, but <laughs> well, there might be. Um, but like in a lot of those things, those were th- those are all things that we would say are, are directly against the truth that God has put forth, and Planned Parented, Who, how are these people still in business? But as we said, the point are are campaigning for this. But two, they're they're also putting forth like things that are very niche culture like there isn't actually that many people who are trans and there's not that very many people who
2: have mm, actually
1: had yeah. an abortion um and or,
2: or at least that that's a minority of women so it's not like they're yeah. saying this is the experience of most women therefore
1: the, exactly therefore yeah, the character a that everybody can relate to needs to be this yeah, yeah. to have had these things happen where you're now putting like a political agenda into a, into what is supposed to be a family film. Yeah. Something where it's just like, well, you're not supposed to know Princess Jasmine's backstory. Right. You know what I mean? You just know she's... Wants to get out of the palace. That's the only thing we know about. <laughs> and she has a tiger. I, I think you guys have caught on. I like Aladdin. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I mean, like, why, why do we need these backstories with these characters? I don't I don't get it. It's frustrating.
2: Yeah, I, that well, that's a good point. I, and I think that one of the things that Hollywood has failed to realize, and the truth is a lot of the uh, sports organizations has failed to realize as well, that... What movies should try to be, what they should be striving for, what sports should be striving for, what news should be striving for is neutrality. Now, we we know that there's no such thing as neutrality, that everybody will always live out um, the their inward religion. That's, that's what culture is. Culture is the outworking of the inward religion of the people. And so n- nobody is unbiased. Everybody has presuppositions. But that said... Um, they shouldn't be using their mediums. And, and I'm not talking about like there are obviously movies that, that are making a point, that are pushing a worldview, and, and they're very forthright about that. And that's a good thing. We, we need that and we more, need more Christians doing that. But especially like Disney shows and 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 sports and things like that, these used to be things that would at least strive for neutrality. And so we wonder why there's such a huge divide politically and ideologically in our nations. It's because these places that used to be somewhat neutral are now not at all neutral, right? They are pushing an agenda, and it's it's further politicizing and further dividing. And uh, and the other thing that I would say to that is is like you said. Um, They're not trying to get these like a Disney princess or these characters um, to experience these things because that's the that's the experience of all. What 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 I appreciate about this is at least they're being consistent. So if Planned Parenthood actually believes that there's nothing wrong with having an abortion, then fair enough. Push that. Try to get a Disney princess who's had an abortion, and, and I hope to God, and I pray that Disney doesn't go for that, but at least they're being consistent with what they're saying. Um, most of the people that I talk to and engage with about abortion will say, it's an awful thing, it's a horrible thing, I hope it never happens, but it's still a woman's right to choose. And that's actually a, not a harder thing to get around, but I, I there are times when I wish that the people I was talking to would be consistent enough to say no. I, I believe it's killing a human being, and that's horrible. But it's still worthwhile. The, at least Planned Parenthood is is saying that what we we believe that what we're doing isn't wrong. Well, hey, now now we can just fight the science of it, right? But, um, I. I think that um, it just shows, it shows their, their cards, and I think that they're going to find that there's less people on their side um, as they play that card, right? Because most, most people just intuitively know that abortion is the taking of a human life, and that's not a good thing. But Planned Parenthood is still propping up this false narrative that uh, it's a good thing.
1: Yeah, let's move on from that before we go. Well,
2: well, and, and so I would just say because it does it does jump into the topic is um, this the, this kind of affects something that's pretty near and dear to our hearts. Uh, And that is, you know, that Disney owns Star Wars. That's what I was just going to ask you. And you and and I, um, we've complained about the, the, um, I would say, subtle feminism in uh, The Force Awakens and then the kind of overt feminism in The Last Jedi. And so the problem is, is that I think that disney will do this i mean they'll see that tweet from planned parenthood and you know i think they will i think they are going far far more to the left than they ever have been and they've never certainly never been on the right
1: (laughs) yeah so it's something i didn't i didn't really think of until basically the last jedi um of the fact that i i thought hey disney's taking over star Wars, it's going to be a good thing. Cause they generally make okay movies. I was thinking of pirates of the Caribbean. Well,
2: and they have unlimited funds. So, you know, we're going to get lots of star Wars,
1: which is, I'm really all about. <laughs> yeah. war, right. So, um, but I didn't, I didn't think of it until I started watching a lot of the scenes in, in the last Jedi, a couple like spoiler alert. If you haven't seen the movie, what's wrong with you? Um, <laughs> but there's, there's, there's a weird, moment at the beginning where like, you're not sure if they're brother and if they're sis- if they're sisters or if they're a lesbian couple, um, between Rose and whatever sister's name that dies, there's, they have right. those like heart things It ends up being brother, like sister uh, brother and sister, but help ends up sisters. being sisters, but it's, you're not sure. And then there's, um, the Finn Ray dynamic where she's the dominant right. personality and, and person like the the defender the one with the force over and sort of a bumbling idiot there's
2: like the bravado of poe right the 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 brash bravado of of poe that needs to be like simmered and and settled and subdued by the wise elegant woman
1: yeah who's who's in leadership who's in uh, leadership
2: over him he thinks he should be but it it proves that he was wrong
1: yeah and it it goes on because even the next the next Admiral they bring in is another strong woman and they make the point of having Poe Dameron, who's one of the like leaders of this rebellion basically portrayed as a guy who thinks only with like his nether regions. You know what I mean? (laughs) Right. And this other one had this master plan that was so brilliant. And there's no, there's no problem with having a woman character who's smart. I'm not saying that my point is that Disney seem to be going out of their way to put forth, to put forward characters uh, the, that are women that are very good at everything they do and men who are Homer Simpson in right. everything they yeah, do. Yeah. And that's where that's where I have a problem with. It. And that's what scares me now that they've started to kill off all the characters that didn't fit that ideology right. from the original trilogy. Yeah, yeah. that's Luke, exactly right. Han.
2: Even Leia. Exactly. Like she, she was strong, but she, like she, wasn't the uh, overbearing, right? In fact, there's, there's actually been quite a shift in her character. We could talk about this the whole time, but all, all this to say, we won't bore you with the Star Wars de- Let's be honest. Star Wars is never boring. But um, the, uh, the reality here is we're talking about the slide of Disney into the left and into feminism, which actually ties into our, our episode topic tonight. So we are still in the truth apocalypse. And so we're talking about the lies that the church has bought into, lies of the culture that the church has bought into that has hurt our witness and hurt our um, sanctification. And uh, today we're talking about the lie of feminism and how feminism has seeped into the church. And uh, and just so so uh, you know, all cards on the table in a denomination that that Chris and I are trying to um, be advocates for change w- from within. Um, that has recently abandoned some of the uh, gender roles that God assigned in Scripture and, and now is claiming that it's okay for women to occupy the office of elder or uh, to be ordained as as licensed ministers. Um, we're fighting this and uh, and this has seeped its way into the church because feminism seeped into the church. and. Uh, So we have a special guest, uh, Erica Van Brimmer from the Awakening Reformation podcast. We're going to get her on here and she's going to help us navigate uh, how the church is bought into the lie of feminism. Before that, let's go to a break.
0: The Rebel Alliance podcast is about discipleship bringing the gospel message about how to interact in a biblical way with your family, friends, co-workers, and your culture. Would you like to be a part of this? Rebel Alliance Media is looking for financial sponsors. A one-time gift, a monthly donation, whatever you like. Contact the rebels at info at rebelalliancemedia.com. That's info at
1: Are you afraid to open the last book of your Bible? Do you think you need special revelation to understand the book of Revelation? Are you scared you'll get left behind trying to understand all that
0: symbolism? Are you afraid your brain might rupture trying to figure out when the rapture will happen? Relax, we've got good news for you. The book of Revelation is filled with many symbols and much imagery, but you can gain understanding by learning fundamental rules of interpretation and applying them properly to the biblical text. Let Pastor Nate Wright guide you through his Eschatology 101 video series. Check it out at rebelalliancemedia.com eschatology. That's Eschatology 101 with Nate Wright at rebelalliancemedia.com eschatology.
2: Well, we want to welcome Erica Van Brimmer from Awakening Reformation podcast to the show. How are you doing, Erica?
3: I'm doing well.
2: Now, I don't know if I'm allowed to call you this or if it's just your husband, Grant, but (laughs) uh, on the show, you uh, wear as a badge of honor the nickname, The Weaker Vessel.
3: That's correct.
2: How did that nickname uh, make its way onto the show?
3: Honestly, I think it started off as a war between another co-host, George, who is A bit advanced in years. (laughs) And so I started calling him the seasoned saint. And then he retorted back with calling me the weaker vessel. And they just kind of stuck.
2: Nice.
1: That's what I call Nate when he's not around, is the weaker (laughs) vessel in our (laughs) podcast. When it's
2: being soft, yeah. Like. So just to introduce some of our listeners, in case you haven't heard Awakening Reformation podcast, first of all, if you haven't heard it, you should. You can find them on Facebook. We'll probably link over to them. Uh, So if you're listening to this uh, episode, just find it on our Facebook feed. We'll link over to them. But you should be listening to Awakening Reformation. They do an awesome job over there. And one of the reasons we wanted to have you on, Erica, is because you're a woman after our own heart. You are a woman who wears the nickname Weaker Vessel uh, (laughs) as a badge of honor. You are a homeschooling mom. You're a hero.
3: Hey, thanks.
2: (laughs) So you're homeschooling three kids. And how old are they?
3: They are eight, six, and four.
2: Awesome. And how long have you been homeschooling them?
3: We started homeschooling our oldest when she was four and it went really well. And so we've just stuck with it. So it's been about four years.
2: That's awesome. Are your kids boys, girls, or a mixture of the two?
3: We have a girl, boy, girl.
2: Nice. So can,
3: one can, of each in a spare.
2: <laughs> Couldn't have planned it any better.
3: That's right.
2: We kind of wanted to have you on today. We're going through this series called The Truth Apocalypse, and we are trying to talk about some of the lies that the church and that Christians have bought into, uh, lies that have seeped into the church from the culture and some of the lies that we've allowed to infiltrate our own thinking instead of allowing the Bible to kind of direct our thinking. And we wanted to have you on to come and talk about feminism. One of the reasons we wanted to have you on is because as men, of course, we can't talk into this realm because of our male privilege.
3: (laughs) Okay, well, I think that the Bible actually would disagree with you on that a
2: little. All right, talk to us about that, Erica. Why would the Bible disagree with me?
3: The Bible has a lot to say about biblical gender roles and feminism, and if we believe that the Bible is true and that um, it does speak into every aspect of our life, then there aren't blue pages and pink pages that all of Scripture is for both genders and it applies to both of our lives.
1: If you were preaching, not that you would, but if you were right now, I'd, I'd, I'd shout out amen. And my hand may even twitch a little.
2: <laughs> Pudi's recovering charismatic, so you have to excuse that. <laughs> <me. laughs> uh, okay, awesome. so at the, risk, at the risk of having you teach us here, Erica, one of the ways that feminism has infiltrated the church is in kind of the theology of egalitarianism. And so mm-hmm. um, there are these two kind of differing views, complementarianism and egalitarianism. Do you mind defining those as you understand them for us?
3: So egalitarianism basically would state that, to be fair, they would say that clearly there are differences in like the sexual organs between a man and a woman, but that the, the role that God has given men and to women um, basically is the same. And there really isn't any differentiation between the two genders. And then for the complementarian role, we would state that, yes, God did make male and female equal in the sense that they both have equal dignity, value, worth. But that the roles that he has given and built into males and females are distinct and different and that both roles God has created to reflect and image him in a very distinct and different way, that maybe a woman can reflect and image God in a a way that a man can't, but a man can image and mirror God in a way that a woman can't. And so they work together in a complementarian fashion, and it's like a right hand and a left hand working together to accomplish a goal.
2: So I got to say, Justin Trudeau is our prime minister. And in case he hasn't told you yet, he's a feminist. So as a Canadian, my feministically attuned ears hear that and just think, that's not fair, Erica. How would you respond to that?
3: I guess I would ask you, what isn't fair about it? Because you're assuming that one is greater than the other, that the male role must be better than the female role or vice versa. So you're assuming something there. And I guess I would probably ask what it is that you think isn't fair. Do you think that the male role is a better role and that's why you want to acquire it? Because you can't really say that you're a feminist if you think that both roles are the same. If you really thought both roles were the same, then I guess it wouldn't really bother you.
2: And I think part of that is that in our culture, we are so driven to roles being what give us value, right? And so we look at the differing roles and whichever role we want, we assume has more value. And if we don't have it, we therefore have no value. So when you're talking about male and female roles being different in Scripture, then um, essentially what you're saying is that even though they're still equal, there's different roles. How would you see those two different roles biblically?
3: When he created male and female in the garden, he created... Male, and then he created female from male to be his helpmate. And he put forth a cultural mandate of be fruitful, multiply, and to fill the earth and to subdue it. So we all have the same task. We all have been given a task of subduing the earth, being fruitful, multiplying, creating more image bears on the earth. That was a a task that was given to both male and female. And how we go about accomplishing that goal is going to look a little bit different because of the role that he gave to both male and female. So for the man, he put into the man to be the leader of his home, to be the leader of his family. And for the woman, he created her to be the helpmate. And so instantly, I know that some women kind of grimace at that, like we get to be our husband's little helpers, but I always like to say that the Holy Spirit is called our help. And so if the Holy Spirit is called a helper and we're called a helper, that's a very high calling and it's not something to grimace at.
1: Erica, I think that's really good what you said about the fact that woman is a helper and the Holy Spirit is a helper. I don't think a lot of people think of that on a theological level when you, when you look at it as your role is similar to the role of one of the Trinity, of one piece Mm -hmm. of the Trinity. How does that work itself out in your daily life? The reason I ask that is because I know a lot of women, I work in a secular environment who would say male leadership isn't a good thing um, because it's oppressive. Being somebody's helper isn't a good thing. How do you just play that out practically?
3: That's a really good question. I think that might look a little bit differently in individual households, obviously. In my household, it looks like praying for my husband. It looks like keeping my husband accountable. And it looks like encouraging him and just helping him with tasks around the house. You know, Ephesians talks about women should be homeward focused. And so for me, a primary way that I can help my husband is to have the house under control. That doesn't mean he can't come home and help me fold some laundry or put the kids to bed, but it means that I'm handling the house. So when he's off at work providing for his family, which is a role that God has given to him, he doesn't have to worry about whether someone's taking care of his kids or whether or not he's going to come home to the house on fire and to just make it a a place of rest, a place where we can host other families. Cause one of the things that we love to do in our home is to um, just open it up to, you know, strangers or friends. And we just love to have people over and um, minister to people. So I would just say, look for creative ways that you can still be a blessing to people around you. Another role that a woman has is to be discipling other women. And we see that in Titus two, where Paul's telling Titus to instruct the older women to basically disciple these young women, bring them up, show them what sound doctrine looks like, teach them to love their husbands, love their children, to be busy at home. These are all things that need to be taught to women because they do not come naturally to a woman. If you look at that story closely, you see that, Eve did not submit to her husband. You know, God had given Adam the clear direction. Do not eat of that tree. God didn't tell Eve not to eat of the tree. God told Adam and Adam was supposed to lead his family, tell his wife, stay away from the tree. And Eve did not submit to her husband. And then, you know, the rest of the story. So ever since the fall, there has been this this struggle that goes, it just goes against a woman's nature, you know, because we have fallen nature to want to submit to her husbands, to want to to be a helpmate so look for creative ways if you're busy in ministry and you're serving the Lord and you're in his word and you're discipling other ladies it's gonna be an encouragement and you're gonna see a lot of fruit coming from your labors And I think it gets easier the more you see God working around you
1: you're kind of preaching to the choir here at rebels with that for sure but I'm sure there's people in your life that that message has rubbed the wrong way other women perhaps like how does that play out when you tell other women around you that's how you want to live your life
3: Oh, my goodness. So a lot of people don't like what I just said. And I actually have family members that don't really care to talk to me because they think that I'm just being oppressed by my husband. And I have friends that I used to be really close to that I'm no longer close to. But, you know, the opposite of that is true as well. I have made so many close, lifelong friendships because I have found that for a lot of Christian women, especially young women, they really want to have deep relationships. They want to grow in the Lord. They want to be taught His Word. And so maybe some friendships fall by the wayside, but God has really blessed me and given me really sweet, deep friendships with women who, who do want to grow in God's Word and do want to obey His Word. So I've seen both.
2: One of the things we always have to continually preach to ourselves here at Rebel Alliance, because some of the things we say tend to be a little unpopular as well, is to remind ourselves that Jesus said, woe to you when all men speak well of you, right? Mm -hmm. And so sometimes, you know, we ought to be wary when we have really good reputations. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. A lot of what you're saying in terms of kind of biblical complementarianism, biblical view of of the differing roles of men and women, it kind of butts right up against feminism. And if we're going to kind of simply define feminism as just the the political, economical ideology that men and women are equal in every way and can occupy the same roles. I mean, you could talk about second or third wave feminism that uh, Mm -hmm. actually kind of gets a bit more extreme and say that women don't actually need men to be Mm -hmm. all that they can be whichever stream of feminism you're kind of talking about I would say tell us a little bit about why if feminism is just the idea that men and women are equal in every way you've kind of described what the Bible would say in response to that there are differing roles Mm -hmm. but if it's that second or third wave feminism that would say you don't need a man at all what would the Bible have to say about the the need that both men and women have for one another And just kind of talk a little bit about why the lie of feminism that you get your worth through your role ought not to affect Christians because women get their worth through the Word of God.
3: I think that for Christians, a complementarian view is not just for married people. It's not just for husbands and wives. There are plenty of single people who are believers and do not have maybe a marriage role that they can put themselves into neatly and say, well, I'm, I'm a wife. So my role is going to look like this. For someone who's a single woman, they might say, well, I am complementarian, but I don't know how that works itself out. I do believe that God has created me differently, but I still need to like go get a job. So what do I do? How do I function? And so this is where what you're asking is very crucial because it isn't just a marriage thing. This is not just how like the marriage role works. That's how males and females work out. So what does that mean? That means that wherever you are in your life, whether you're married, you're single, whether you're a child growing up in your parents' house, that you have something deep in your nature that God has placed in you. And that is how you are, are supposed to reflect who God is. So I know we talked about like, men are supposed to lead and provide for their families and that women are supposed to be homeward focused, that we are supposed to be submissive, that we're supposed to be helpmates, all these things. So when we look at the Bible and we see things like Jesus being a homemaker, you know, he says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And then we see that God created this beautiful home in the garden for Adam and Eve. We see all these ways that as women, even maybe if we're not married yet, We can still open up our homes and be hospitable and disciple other women, and that is still a way for us to use our role that God has given to us in a way that glorifies him and puts him on display and makes him look great because he's placed it deep inside of us.
2: Absolutely. That's awesome. So. Just to kind of go a little deeper in there, because I loved how you are talking about this isn't just the differing roles of husbands and wives, but this Mm -hmm. really gets foundational into the difference that God made between men and women. We had Pastor Tim Bailey on a couple of weeks ago, and he was kind of talking about this, and he was talking about how based on the organs that God gave us to procreate as men and women, that there's a hardness to men, right? The, the warrior mm. side, the protective side, the confrontational side, and there's an inherent kind of softness to women. We were just talking actually before we called you up about the new Star Wars. It shouldn't come as any surprise to you that uh, the rebels <laughs> were talking about Star Wars. And we were talking about how in Star Wars, you know, there's such a push in the last two movies to have this this hard savior-like protector who's a female, right? It's that mm-hmm. feminist view that women can take on that role. So I'd just love to hear you kind of talk a little bit about really leaning into, I don't worry, I won't make you talk about Star Wars, but just have <laughs> you kind of talk a little bit about really leaning into the way that God made women to be submissive, to be the softer, the weaker of the sexes but that there's inherent strength in that. Can you talk about that a little bit? I know I'm throwing you a curveball.
3: It's This is still something God's working out in my heart.
2: <laughs> Don't worry, we're, 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 we continually say about ourselves, we're preaching to ourselves here too, so.
3: <laughs> oh my goodness, I am naturally a very aggressive, strong personality, and that has been something that God has used marriage And the biblical female gender role to really refine me and sanctify me because it doesn't come naturally for me. Mm. And I am constantly um, being shown in scripture where I am being disobedient and I am not fulfilling the role that God has given to me. And I'm sitting next to my husband right now, he's smiling at me. But it's funny because even in the garden, when Satan came to Eve and he was tempting her, he tempted her with a lie that made her think that she could decide for herself what her role ought to be. She wanted to be wise like God. She thought she could decide what wisdom was. And that, in a nutshell, is what feminism is. It's us deciding what we are in our wisdom, ought to act like, ought to function like, what our role is. And it's the same lie, you know, it's repackaged from generation to generation, but we see that God does honor, I'm going to get kind of corny, but God does honor the weaker vessel, you know? The Bible says that in our weakness that He is made strong. And so the fact that God has given this role to a woman that maybe to some sounds, I don't know, secondary, but it's it's really not because Jesus took on the submission role. And so when we are submissive as women, whether it's to our husbands or our pastor's or a father's, whoever it is, when we are submissive, we are mirroring the submission of Jesus. That's a high calling. I don't think that's secondary.
2: Amen. That's awesome. Absolutely. That's a very
1: good way to put that, that your submission mirrors Christ's submission and you're honoring God by doing that. So by honoring your husband, being the helper to your husband, you're actually serving God first and foremost, the way he's designed you to do. I think that's brilliant. I think that's very helpful for a lot of our listeners. Let me ask you another question. I don't want to redirect too much though. I don't think this is something the church does very well. So Mm -hmm. help us give us some practical ways that the church can combat feminism in our culture because to be honest, this is a place as we discussed a few weeks ago that the church is is failing at. This is not something Mm -hmm. we're doing well.
3: Yeah, I agree. I think that I would point us to Titus 2, where older women are instructed to teach younger women doctrine. And that is one thing that has been so frustrating for me is that a lot of times when I walk into churches, I would be so eager to just have someone disciple me and give me some, you know, theology books or something. And I was often just handed like a Beth Moore study or a Priscilla Schreier book. <laughs> And I'm like, this doesn't really help me know who God is. And that's what's going to sustain me. And that might sound like kind of a, I don't know, a pithy thing to say, just teach women doctrine. But I really do think that's the issue. I think there's a lack of discipleship, true discipleship, not just going and getting coffee while your kids take part of Starbucks. But I'm talking like the nitty gritty, you know about my life. I know about your life. Just come alongside of me. I'm going to teach you practically. And we're going to do Bible studies together. It's kind of funny because the joke between me and a lot of my friends is that I'm not really discipling you unless you folded my husband's underwear, because a lot of what discipleship <laughs> is, is you come into my house and let me teach you something. Let's talk about this. We'll be fold my laundry. <laughs> and, that's- but that's, that's really where I think the church needs to maybe just direct more of a focus into just maybe helping women connect in discipleship and men and women. I think men discipling men, women discipling women because it's awkward to ask someone to disciple you and Mm -hmm. it can be really awkward for the other person too to say, hey, I think you need discipleship. You should come learn from me. So maybe the church could do a better job at helping make that connection.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And so this kind of seems to be a theme whenever we are talking about the ways in which the church can overcome the lies of culture or change the culture, it starts in the church, right? So it's Mm -hmm. not about going out and boycotting Star Wars because it's feminist now. It's about, in the church, encouraging women to connect, building a solid community of women who are not just handing each other Beth Moore books or reading daily devotional snippets or Jesus Calling, but it's it's actually studying theology, getting into the word of God, helping one another grow, getting into one another's lives, And I think maybe one of the things that we've been doing is because the church has been guarding particular roles and saying, you know, well, the Bible holds that the office of elder or the place in the pulpit reserves it for men. We've allowed some unbiblical thinking to seep in, which is therefore women don't need strong doctrine. All they need is Beth Moore books and parenting books and, and, you know, how to be a good wife book and right and that's not going to do it right that's not what's going to create the women who are going to change the culture exactly um, i totally agree and so as kind of a last thing because this is what i think ultimately we're all post mill here so we're all friends <laughs> and so we all believe that the church is going to win this battle and i wholeheartedly believe that one of the main ways that the church will overcome the culture is by faithful women raising kids educating kids and releasing them into the world and you know it the psalms tell us that our children are arrows right and so you mm. you are training right now you are training three arrows three weapons that are being mm. forged to fight the culture each and every day at home and so how does the church change the world by regular christian women being faithful moms at home
3: right it's difficult at times. It's a job that often seems overwhelming and sometimes it's very thankless task. So I'm very thankful for guys like you who are encouraging to moms and super thankful to my husband who makes it possible. But to all the stay-at-home moms out there, just keep trucking. Jesus is faithful and pray a lot.
2: (laughs) Amen. One of the resources that we'll recommend, I don't know if you've read it, but the book, Diapers, Dishes, and Dominion. It's basically a book that my wife read it and realized that she can change the world every you know, one poopy diaper at a time, and it totally transformed the way she was looking at her role, so. Anything else you want to ask before we? Yeah, I, I feel like we'd get
1: tons of hate mail if we didn't at least put her on the spot for this one. So this is a bonus. You were not prepped for this question, so <laughs> forgive me in advance but how do you find the time? So a lot of the things I hear in small group, I hear from the women I happen to know who are stay at home moms is balancing, finding the time to learn doctrine, to read the word, to pray, as you said, almost ceasingly, like unceasingly. How do you find the time homeschooling and raising three young kids to do that? Like, how do you work that in your day?
3: Yeah, I hear that one a lot too. So we make time for what's important to us. And if it's important to you, you will find time one of the things that i do is podcasts it's super easy you just push a button and you are being taught doctrine there are books on audio they even have like the westminster confession on audio like literally it's as easy as it could possibly be and so that's what i have done for i don't know a few years now and our kids are getting older so reading is becoming a little bit easier for me but, yeah, you find time for what's a priority for you. If, if you're really wanting to know who God is or understand a certain topic or something, you'll make time for it. And I think that if you're listening to Rebel Alliance podcast, that you've probably already realized that that's a really good option for you. So good on you. and,
2: and you prepared to say that?
1: Exactly. I was going to say, now nobody's going to believe that that was an implanted <laughs> yeah. question because it was so on point for what we're doing <laughs> here. So. <laughs>
2: I was going to ask, is the London Baptist Confession on audio as well? Is that what happened to you?
3: (laughs) I wouldn't know about that.
2: Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah,
3: sure it is.
2: (laughs) You just haven't looked. You know what? We'll look it up and send it to you. Don't worry about it. (laughs) Hey, thanks so much for coming on, Erica. I think that'll be really, really helpful for our listeners. We've been asked a lot, actually, about getting some good, solid female voices on here to help some of our female listeners find their way. And not only are you that, but I would encourage all of the female listeners who enjoyed hearing Erica, tune in to Awakening Reformation podcast. She's on there throwing down all kinds of wisdom on a weekly basis. So go find her on there. Thanks so much for coming on, Erica.
3: Hey, thanks for having me
2: well that was great um uh, erica what a what a fantastic uh guest to have on to help us navigate that and uh, and how powerful is it to hear um a, a woman speaking about the beauty of complementarity and the beauty that of the role that god has given to her so uh, just to kind of summarize uh big thoughts big ideas on that uh uh whole interview uh first of all male leadership is a good thing because it's established by god and women who are, are designed to be led by men who are being led by Christ. And it was so refreshing and wonderful to hear Erica uh, not just acknowledge that, but lean into it and, and, and say that's a beautiful thing. And then secondly, for, for any of uh, our listeners who might actually be caught up in, in the idea and the lie of feminism, Um, just some of the things that she said that women don't need feminism to tell them that they have inherent, inherent value and worth. You don't need to occupy the same role as a man in order to have value and worth because your worth comes from being created in the image of God. So, um, some, some big ideas there. And, uh, thanks so much, Erica, for, uh, helping us navigate those things.
1: Yeah. It's refreshing to have a woman speak about those things. We can, we can talk about it. We can We can proclaim that message often, but as men, sometimes it's in one ear out the other or it just doesn't have the same weight as it does coming from somebody who is a committed follower of Christ, who's a woman who's trying to live out what the Bible says, how she should live her life. I think it's fantastic. So appreciate that and appreciate all the work you guys are doing on the podcast. Um, Speaking of podcasts, you can follow this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Like us, share us on Facebook. That helps tremendously get the gospel message out. Feel free to share and like our brothers in the Berean Media Network, the Layman's Cup, the Two Thieves, and the Front Pew Podcast. And as always, keep proclaiming the gospel in your workplaces, in your daily lives, and share and like this podcast. Have a great one, guys. Bye.